If these balls could talk, they would walk along the bases and into the fields. If these balls could talk with Mark and John. Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss while the other has no idea what they are. My name is Mark Pesci, and with me always is my main man, who's always so tan, John Campania. What's going on, John? Mark, that rhyme is awesome. I'm, I'm going to sure. do a different one, I think, every week. <laughs> I love it. That's really good. Really good. Hey, what's going on with you, man? I realized I'm old today. I, was, I just kept forgetting stuff. Yeah, that's that's a thing that happens with age, unfortunately. I like literally got to work, looked at the back of my car, and my 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 bag wasn't there. And I was just like, and I thought about it for a second. I'm just like, where's my bag? Wait, how many times do you like go to another room and you forget why you went there? All the time. All the time. I I don't I I'm not gonna recommend aging to anyone. I don't think I like it. We have a lot to get to today. First of all, I have a correction from the previous episode. John had mentioned that the Patriots-Giants Super Bowl with the perfect season on the line had the David Tyree miracle catch, and I said it was the one with Mario Manningham on the side. John was actually correct in this, so I guess he is the better Patriots fan than I am. I think I'm just more correct than you are. You are definitely more corrector. <laughs> more corrector. I like that. Uh, next, if you, you keep telling me I'm on- right, Mark. It's all good. Next, if you haven't seen on social media yet, we are raffling off a $50 Amazon gift card. There are three different ways to participate in the raffle. You can rate us on Facebook or anywhere you can get your podcast. You can like, share, or comment on any of our social media posts. And finally, you can DM us a keyword that we will offer at the end of this episode. With us today is our special guest, Matt Angier. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad you can join us from your basement. It's in his garage. Or from your garage. It's my I'm garage, sorry. yeah. <laughs> basement would oh. be a step up. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get to know our friend Matt. So if memory serves me correct, you used to be an avid bowler. I myself am a bowler as I bowl in a league every Monday night. Uh, and unfortunately, they've since torn down the bowling alley that you went to in Albany. Now, can you tell our listeners your craziest bowling story? Also... What was your average back then, and what do you bowl now? Yeah, uh, I actually still bowl. Um, I, I do a fun league with my son right now, but last year I was in a, a sanctioned league, and I'm hoping to get back into one next year. Uh, right now I'm averaging about 215. Back then I was in high school, I was about 175. And then, you know, I discovered alcohol, and my <laughs> average jumped up about 20 pins. Uh, so amazing um, how that yeah. happens. Yeah, it's crazy. You Your know, strengths, just, I like that. Yeah, you just you don't you lose you just focus better. I don't know, crazy story. I probably I was when I was bowling in high school. I I actually broke my wrist, um, shooting a ten pin or not a ten pin. I'm sorry, a seven pin. Uh, we used to bowl at Redwood Bowling Alley, and they had the ball returns that went the whole approach, so it didn't go underground and then come up at the end. I remember so for, those for me to shoot that I always went far right and with what they call break your wrist is just straightening it out but I came down and I hit the ball return and snapped my wrist right back um so I I fractured the back half of my wrist and I guess that's you know I still bowled for the rest of the year in school and by the time I went to a doctor they were 
told me I, I either had to break it again or just deal with it. So I dealt with it. Wow. What's the hardest split that you ever made? Uh, probably the, what is it? The uh, four, six. Mm, so it's, uh, you know, the back, I, I've never made the seven, 10. Four six is pretty close. close though. Four yeah. six is close to a seven ten. You pretty yeah. much have to do the same exact thing. Yeah, you just got a little more room on the outside. I bowl about a ninety, you guys, so I'm totally with you. Yeah, yeah. That's what handicap to be four. less than half of what is, yours is. Is that bumpers, John? <laughs> yeah. When the dragon, you can bring the dragon around. You can <laughs> it. That's my favorite. Yep. How good of a bowler is your son? Uh, this is his first year. Um, so he's, he's averaging a 60 right now. So, so he, he, he could beat John. He does. Yeah. yeah. It would be really competitive. <laughs> yeah. He got really upset with himself this week. He bowled poorly, uh, 25 and a 30 and he, he, he beat himself up over it. Poor guy. And that's what I told him. I said, have fun. Yeah. 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 You, you got all your life to be competitive. Just have fun right now. Well, you can't get good at it until it's fun. Right. Yeah, you know, about 12, then you start getting competitive. Right, right. Then you're old enough to start making money. So, Matt, let's get more questions. And I wanted to start right at the beginning. About 19 years ago, um, we met you, we met your friends, and we were singing karaoke at a local dive bar. And you brought us all to a better local dive bar, and we sang karaoke there every week on Wednesday. Do you guys still go out? And I want you to tell the listeners about the song you used to sing, because it's awesome. Uh, we do not anymore. Uh, it's just oh, no wow. time. And especially now COVID, yeah, I'm just definitely not comfortable sharing a microphone. Um, That's probably but, true. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, that was when we all met and we had great times and you know, that you've, great you time. guys, that you met me at my worst and huh. kept me around. So <laughs> uh, that was, a, that was a pretty, you were still you know? pretty awesome. So for everybody, Pete loves karaoke. Mark loves karaoke. I love karaoke. Um, I think that all started then, really, right? We were all, we all liked to sing, but we were like, wow. This is the first time we've talked about karaoke. Here's the third episode, and we haven't talked about yeah, karaoke. Yeah, that's true. Now. What's your go-to song, Mark? Uh, we, what, I, I, didn't we ask Matt that question? Well, he didn't answer. I would guess yeah, Mark, I don't I'll remember. Be by Edwin McCain is a big one of Mark's. Yeah, Ed, Ed McCain, I'll be, uh-huh. is, a, is, a, is a big one. That's, that's, that's always that's the... a good one. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, lately, it's been you two with or without you as well, nice. which I know is a is p- from Pete's repertoire. Yeah, but you would do it mm-hmm. much better than I did. I, in my head, when I wrote that question, Matt, you used to sing uh, Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. That oh, was me. That was oh, that was that was uh, Pete. That was right. me. Yeah, that was Pete. <laughs> <laughs> we briefly mentioned on this podcast that you have a cool story and a cool family relation. In fact, you are. Related to Justin Fields, correct, Matt? Yes, that's correct. So, He's how distant you, relation? So, please tell us how you are related to Justin Fields, and please tell us about a recent cool visit you had to Soldier Field on Thursday Night Football. Uh, so, he's my uncle's grandson. Uh, so, weird lineage, but uh, I used to know him when he was a baby. I've met him a few times, and then just lost touch. And then my uncle was like, Oh, he's, you know, he's available. And he's going to the draft. You know, our whole family just started getting into it. Um, he's like, you ever want to go to a game, come out to a game with me. So just this past October, I went to the bears commanders game. First time ever at soldier field. 
it was an experience. You know, I, I got to go down on the field for a little bit. Unfortunately, they lost, so I didn't really get to meet any of the players, understandably. You know, <laughs> they lose. They don't want to hang out funny. after, you know. But uh, it was great. Uh, we were right in the end zone, probably cool. six rows back behind the field goal post. It was I mean, it was I think awesome. that was the game before he really blew up this season. Like, really, it blew was. Up this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he started. He his left shoulder, poor kid. Yeah. Well, he's back. He's playing this week. Is he really? Oh, that's yeah, great. He, that, he's back. That kid's tough, man. Holy cow. Yeah. He finished that um, game, right? He he didn't even dislocate that at the end of the game, and he finished, which is bad. Right. Yeah. He, fin- he. I think it was was the Arizona game. Did you meet somebody cool on the way back too? Uh, actually not on the way back. It was, it was funny I was on the way there. My uncle, on the yeah. way there in the, uh, we were underneath the stadium and going through the tunnels and I was just talking to my uncle just randomly about some wrestlers. And I look over and I, I go to him. I'm like, you know, I go, man, that girl looks like Becky Lynch. And he's like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's her. And then I look and there was Seth Rollins and they're just both sitting there talking that's getting ready to go to the game so i walked right up to him and i just started talking to him and they were they were nice that great easy to talk to they let you know took a picture with me it was it was a lot of that fun was awesome so i've 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 made it that's the second trip i've been on where i've ran into people who were you more excited to meet seth rollins or becky lynch you know as a guy of course becky lynch <laughs> <laughs> as a as a as a wrestling fan you know seth rollins you know but they're both equally you know, on they're, my they're both top very list. Good. Yeah. They're both very good. And, you know, Becky just Who are you more back. afraid of? <laughs> I think oh, Becky. Becky. Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. She, she's got some fire in her eyes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but they were great. Well, thanks, Matt. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, Matt. All right, let's get things started. We're going to change things up a bit, though, I think. John, how about you start us off this week? Sounds good, Mark. So my first question, Mark, and to the guys... Um, week 12 brings the return of Deshaun Watson after serving an 11-game suspension for a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy. Uh, Mr. Watson was accused by more than two dozen women of sexual assault and inappropriate behavior during the star sessions. He's being very close-lipped during practice, so we'll see how he plays. Um, my question is, the, Brown tra- the Browns traded multiple first-round picks, gave him a contract of $230 million guaranteed. To get Watson by week 12, why take such a risk? Do you think he's worth it? This is such a complicated question. Uh, from, from a football perspective, he probably will be worth that contract. He is a phenomenal talent. He has great vision. He has a good arm. He can run. He can, he can do a lot. He seems to be very intelligent in a lot of, at least from a football perspective as well. I personally, I do not like it. The, the Browns essentially sold their soul in order to get him. Yep, very true. And I'm concerned and, for them, Mark, because, I mean, this win last weekend against the Bucks, and really closer to being playoff bound than they have ever been, is that locker room drama going to distract them more than it's going to help? That's, that's a great question. You know, the entire season is now going to be surrounded around Deshaun Watson, what he's going to say, what he's going to do on the field, what is he doing off the field. Mm-hmm. So the, it's it's going to be a giant distraction for the team, especially coming off of a great win against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. J- Jacoby Brissett, you know, came down to the fourth quarter to throw that game-winning touchdown. 
And then they they come back in overtime and 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 beat Tom Brady. I mean, it's it's a great story. Unfortunately, now Jacoby Brissett, you know, the, his reward for beating Tom Brady is you get to now sit the bench or have a right couple. for the new guy. I'm impressed I mean, with Brissett this season. Actually, he's done really well. Yeah, Mari Cooper's Just, having this big comeback year. Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson is is he worth the contract? We'll see. I mean, the, what the the Browns did is just morally reprehensible. They are they like I said, they sold their soul for a football player. And what's kind of also is not so good is is Cleveland embraced him when they first when he first came to training camp. The Cleveland fans were like, yeah, we're going to be a legitimate football team, and no one really cares about like what he did as long as he's a good football player. It's so uh, sad. We, it's so sad. We could we could talk probably all episode about this, but I, I don't know. Matt, what, what are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson? Uh, I, I don't like it. I, I don't think it was good for the team. Um, you know, like you said, he's a, he you, you take the personal like out of it. He is a great ball player. I mean, he's he could be worth the money, but the, the drama that you're talking about, I think is going to hurt it. Um, I, I think I just read, too, that this week, 10 of the um, accusers are actually attending the game. I heard that. So, you know, what kind of, what kind of press is going to be there about that? What, what's going to get drawn? Where are they going to pull away from the game to just try and find these 10 people or, or, or get them to talk. And I mean, Nick Chubb um, is only 26, right? Does he get distracted by all this bad press? I'm worried about him getting like corrupted. Like yeah. Sean kind of like, Hey, you know, we can, we can get away with this. We're, you know, we're the team. And I, I, I think it, I, I, I didn't like it. I'm glad um, you brought that up, Matt, because I think there is like a stigma or, uh, in, in the, in the league that players think that they're almost like gods because there's just been so many of these, these incidents. I mean, you have Antonio Brown, you have Ben Roethlisberger. Remember he was uh, uh, accused of yep. that. Jameis Winston, Ezekiel Elliott, and of course, now this this one actually did have repercussions. Ray Rice, oh, yeah. so many. Didn't Antonio Brown just get arrested this week? There's a warrant for his arrest. Yeah. Oh wow! No, you don't no even way. learn from what that. What hasn't Antonio Brown done? And there's there's a whole thing. I don't I don't really know if the NFL cares about this whole situation. I think that what they really like is the fact that everyone is talking about the NFL. They mm-hmm. don't necessarily care why. They just care that people are talking. Well, people are going to watch. People are going to mm-hmm. want to see. I mean, he was the most picked up player on, in fantasy this week. He went from 0% being owned to something like 60 or 75. Like, everybody wants a free quarterback, which he essentially looks like. Yeah, and he's got, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got Amari Cooper with him. He's got two pretty good running backs behind him. The defense is pretty good. You know, it's legit. It's had, legit he played, had he played the entire season, the Browns may be a playoff contender. Yeah, I agree. But we would have felt very icky about it. I don't know if the city of Cleveland would have felt icky. If they won him a, if they no, won a championship, they would have been, then everything yeah. would have been probably mm-hmm. forgiven. I know. Next topic. So, John, sabermetrics is a thing that we both know about, and it is described as, quote, the search for objective knowledge about baseball, unquote by its inventor, Bill James. These days, just about all franchises now have analysts and statisticians that concentrate on certain metrics associated with their sport. And then you have Amazon with its next-gen stats that get shown all over NFL game. And recently, baseball just had to make a rule change because of all the shifts that defenses were making based on the, on the hit charts 
that all teams have and they want to look at and they they're just trying to put themselves in the best port based off of the numbers so john have franchises gone overboard to the point where there's just too many stats involved now i heard the yankees over the last few years spent a billion dollars on metrics and still couldn't put together a team that got past the first round of the playoffs I think we talked about this last week. Everybody wants to be Billy Bean and everybody wants to put together a team from what's available. And everybody wants to win, right? That teams in general are winning baseball games, not because, I mean, sure, they're winning because of metrics and they're winning because of percentages, but really they're winning because of hot players. They're winning because of Justin Verlanders and Bryce Harpers. They're winning because of, I mean, Aaron Judge before the playoffs. I mean, they're winning because of talented players playing above themselves, right? Like anytime a team like the Phillies, right? Any time a team like the Phillies goes as far as they do, they're, I mean, they're winning games because everyone's playing out of their mind. So while I don't think sabermetrics or just, you know, using the computing age is a bad thing, I think it's a good thing. I think sports are getting better. I think they're getting faster. I think people are getting more talented. I don't really know if that's doing what owners want, right? So is it worth the money? Is it worth the investment? Is it worth the focus on it? I don't think so. Did I ever tell you I have a stat, a baseball stat? that I, I, I don't have a name for it, but it essentially puts a, a weight associated with, you know, you get a certain amount of points for a single, but if you get a single with a runner on first and that runner on first goes from first to third, then it counts more than just a regular single. And I, I, I want to actually put in the, the research to actually see how, if this is an effective stat, and I have to come up with a fancy name and all that too. But so, Bill James uh, is from the Boston area, so I I could easily just like you, know, you have to probably see him at a come up with some something. acronym for hits with runners on base or something. Yeah, something that something that's cool like FWAR. But look at I mean, so AWS next gen stats are all over the uh, the the games now. Um, the Justin Jefferson catch that happens against the Bills, uh, insane. Probably one of the greatest catches in the history of the game. And I believe it was like an 8% likelihood according to AWS next gen stats, which I actually think is too high, but I mean, it makes uh, sense though, that if you analyze that many catches with that much speed, I mean, I literally watching this because we're all watching the bills game, by the way, I'm watching this Bills game and I press a button on Amazon and it goes, Hey, Gabe Davis was running 16 miles an hour and he had an eight second separation and he still dropped the ball. Right. But like the fact that their computers can run that is insane because everything is getting analyzed now. And there's enough computing power really with any major network that they can just do that in real time. As far as from a viewer, I really like that. I really like the fact that my viewing experience is getting pushed above my knowledge of the game based on people who know better, you know, makes me understand more what separation means, how fast wide receivers are, right? Like, wow, 16 miles an hour. That's insane. So I think that's cool. So while doing research for this, I actually I found out a couple of things that, and this is on the NFL website. There are, there's something in, in the data world called the internet of things, which essentially means you put trackers on, on a lot of things. And apparently in every single NFL venue now, they have 20 to 30 ultra-wide band receivers, two to three radio frequency identification tags installed into the player's shoulder pads, and those same tags on officials, pylons, sticks, chains, and in the ball. So that's how 
they're getting all this data for all of these circumstances. That's kind of amazing. That I really love cool. that being a being an IT person by trade. I really love the technification of things. It's not a real word. I made that up. It's it's good. I it's like it. Good word. Should, like using it. It's a good word. <laughs> all right, sweet. That's amazing. I think we're good on that one. All right, that was good. That was that was a good topic. Next topic. Yum. <laughs> So, Mark, to keep the baseball train going, on Monday, the Houston Astros signed the 2020 AL MVP, Jose Abreu, in my opinion, plugging a really big hole in their roster and a roster really that had very few holes. So while Yuli Gurriel was great during this past postseason, he was by far their weakest link, finishing dead last in FWAR last year at a negative 1.4. Just talking about baseball stats, for anybody who doesn't know, WAR is wins above replacement. So that means Yuri Gurriel is giving them a less win if he would be replaced by somebody else. And so for you, Mark, are the Houston Astros the new evil empire? Do you think they can be the first team to successfully defend a World Series title since the 2000 Yankees? By the way, war, the wins above replacement, my all-time least favorite baseball stat of all time. That because it's something that you can't prove. It's just something that there, there's some kind of calculation behind it. You can't really prove it. It's just there. And it's 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 a metric that it's it's again, it's just there and it's it sounds good. Now, with regards to the Astros, uh, they they definitely seem like they could repeat. They have a good core and they have a good set of players that just, they keep rotating through. With the signing of Abreu, I, I, actually, I actually did not like that for the Astros, but the Astros do somehow have this innate ability to greatly improve a player's performance based off of what they see in tape and what they see in numbers. It's, it's actually quite amazing. Justin Verlander though did not uh, resign with the Astros and he was also a big part of the season not necessarily the playoffs but he was a big part of their season and I think they're going to potentially miss the pitching because that has been another thing that the Astros have they they've always had pretty good starting pitching and I don't know if they can necessarily replace Justin Verlander or as a Yankee fan Boston. for the last 15 years I am afraid of Justin Verlander you should be he's he's a he's a man that can throw in the high 90s and he's married to Kate Upton he is married to Kita. <laughs> and so, so to just put in perspective, Yuli Gurriel's season last year at 545 at bats, he only hit 242 with only eight home runs. And Abreu had a much better season last year. Um, I mean, he wasn't the MVP last season, but he hit over 15 home runs, much higher average, much higher on base percentage. So, I mean, it makes them empirically better. But Gurriel, the, in, in the, the, the seasons before, a couple of seasons before had really good numbers. It's it's it was somewhat an anomaly about uh, the season that he had this year and, and the postseason. Uh, yeah, he did not have a very good year statistically. Uh, does that necessarily mean he's 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 garbage now? No, not really. Uh, I believe he got picked up by the Blue Jays. I could be wrong about that, but he I think he's going to be one of those players that is going to have a nice bounce back year. He's a career 280 uh, hitter. So I think the Astros have a good chance of repeating, but it's so hard to repeat in baseball. It's a 162-game season, and so much can happen. I mean, and, and injuries, and it's it just there's way too much that can happen in the baseball season. As we saw with the Phillies, as long as you have that momentum, 
going into the playoffs, you then you can make a run. Matt, do you have any thoughts? I, being a, a Braves fan, I do. I worry about Houston. I, I think they have what it takes to run the gauntlet for a while. They're going to be the team over the next few years. What they've had, they've won three over the two over the last four years. Six. Two, two of the last six years. Two over the last six years. I don't know if they'll be able to repeat, but they're going to at least be there. Contend. Did you yeah, guys read the, about this guy who predicted the the next fifteen World Series is by a coin flip, and so far he's four for four? Huh. Uh, you can. There's all the, those kinds of stories, though. There's like you know pigs that will pick out like the fourth <laughs> winners too. <laughs> awesome. Right, that was good. Oh, Mark, we need to bring that up. I'm beating it by so many points. Hey, Etienne got hurt. I don't care. And they signed a Ron Henderson out of nowhere. Like I don't care like about either double, of those. I don't that, care about either like a, of those things. No, that, they happened, right? That was a double whammy. Oh, that's interesting. So you're facing Pete, and I'm facing Matt this week. That's that's. I mean, my team is so garbage, terrible. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you, you're where I was last year, John. Everything I tried to do all season, starting with the draft, didn't work. Yeah, Everything John I tried. Taylor. To, Jonathan and literally Taylor's. every big football story, Jonathan Taylor, Kyle Pitts, Najee Harris, and the Steelers falling apart. Every story is on my team. Yeah, that, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Kyle Murray got hurt midseason, right? I'm just like, I don't know what to fucking do. Oh, he, he was on my team, and I knew not to draft him this year. Yeah, he got – Well, what, I shouldn't say I knew. Get, like, I just – big contract? I had, I had a feeling. Yeah, I, a big contract, but I just had a feeling that he – he shouldn't be on my fantasy team. And with uh, DeAndre Hopkins not being able to play the first six games, too. And, and now he has just that big clusterfuck there in the receiving course. Oh, like, a... oh, what a fucking mess. What a mess. Next topic. John, this year we've seen NFL games played in London, Munich, and Mexico City as part of the NFL International Series. Overall, there have been 45 regular season games played outside of the United States since 2007. So, John, will we ever see an NFL franchise outside of the United States? You know, I don't think so. And not to be so American about it, but I don't think that the rest of the world cares about football like we do. I was just reading up on the, the differences between football and soccer and, you know, American football and football and the differences in general of when the games came to light and plays what games you know and it just doesn't seem like anybody else really cares and so to use an example right even the toronto blue jays who tried to play in the american baseball league they've always struggled you know even when covid happened they had to move to new york to play it just doesn't seem like a thing that's going to happen now i think that the nfl is being really smart by first making big events in other countries to try and advertise i think the players like to travel. I think it is a bit of a spectacle, which is really cool. Um, I almost went to the Red Sox um, Yankees game that they held in England, not last year, but the year before, because I think those are really cool. Um, but is it something that they're going to do permanently? Are they going to make teams fly to Spain or France? I don't think they are. That doesn't seem really very tenable. There were 86,000 people that attended the game in Wembley Stadium, and they had the Denver Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's a spectacle. The Americans are here. American football is here. Look at that. Isn't that crazy? Look at how they run and hit each other. 
didn't they have like millions of people lined up in Germany to get those tickets for that game too? Millions. There were a lot of people that wanted to to go see that game. Uh, and they did have NFL Europe uh, a few years ago. Well, mm. more than a few years ago. They had it from 95 to 2007. And it got dissolved due to lack of profitability. Hmm. At the time, there were six NFL teams. Uh, I want to say that was Kurt Warner in part of NFL Europe at one time. I know he they also sort of did a Monterey football league, Mark. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, to if you guys don't mind me chiming in on this, uh, my coworker actually was just talking about this uh, unprompted at work the other day and said, "You know, the league is expanding around 2025, right? They may add several teams, uh, one in Canada at least, and one potentially overseas." So I, I don't know where he got that source from. It's just some water cooler banter. But. I definitely think the NFL is on the verge of expanding. I don't know if it's going to be as as soon as 2025, but I definitely definitely feel like they're going to want to expand. I mean, they just played in Mexico City, and the largest NFL crowd who actually was in Mexico City back in 2005 with the Cardinals and 49ers. You have to be naive to think that they're not. Roger Goodell is not testing the waters with these things, and not oh, just. Yeah. I mean, he is. He wants to see who comes. He wants to see how much money he can make. He wants to expand if he can, but he's not going to invest in a team and the logistics behind a team unless it really works, right? Yeah. So that's one thing that the NBA and Major League Baseball have over the NFL. Even though NFL controls the United States, they're not as international as baseball and basketball, especially basketball. Basketball is huge overseas. Mm. Right, and that's the thing about the NFL, and that's what I was saying. Nobody plays it anywhere else. Yeah. Or at least they haven't replicated the same success. Guess well, which yeah, team they... has actually played the most games outside the U.S.? I'm going to guess Jacksonville, right? Don't they play in London? Nobody like... wants to go to games in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, like don't they play in London almost every other Jacksonville's year? Jacksonville's like, well, no, it's okay. They're like well, the London, London has become their now. new home stadium, I think. They, re they really yeah. are. And plus they say it way cooler to like Jaguars. And then followed by the Dolphins, Rams, Raiders, and Buccaneers. Really? Keeps distracted by this uh, Bill's interception yeah, right now. It. It's it. really yeah. an excellent interception. I thought they were like That's reviewing. I'm like, how? The dude got like four feet in there. Okay, he only has two, yeah. first of all. What does he have to control the ball, though? more feet just so he could put more of them down in bounds. And then, now they're gone now, so, you know. Poor sad Mac Jones. Next topic. So, Mark, I've been a casual wrestling fan for 30-plus years now and uh, kind of fell out of it like most folks do um so i've had my fandom rediscovered by my daughter actually who's watching wrestling who we get it on peacock we watch really whenever we feel like that you know whenever we feel like it and so this past week i went to my first ever monday night raw it was awesome and not what i expected at all so my question after um this weekend survivor series with becky lynch winning in very exciting fashion what does the wwe need to do to continue to be relevant in the internet age then as a follow-up, who's everybody's favorite wrestler? So I believe a great move that the WWE just pulled off was, and if, I, I, it pains me to say this, but he was stuck in his old ways, was getting Vince McMahon out of the way. He was not making, he, he was just stuck in his old ways. Yeah. So Triple A is now running things, and... Things seem to be much better now. There's uh, rest, more and more wrestlers seem to be 
more relevant and there seems to be more stories that are going back and forth and and staying as well like you don't just see a wrestler and then he's just gone for the next three months at least off of tv he might still be on the on the live shows he or she might still be on the live shows i i I think you're right i think he's building bigger stories where multiple and you're you're going multiple directions so there's one giant big picture but he's got like 15 different stories going on within that big story and he's got yeah he's got stories upon stories as well right and i mean he's been there forever so he's got it but the just even now like the usos and then you got kevin owens and you got Sami Zayn, and you got you got all these factors and it's it's all building up to this big conclusion and this big rumored rock roman reigns wrestlemania and they're just all these little angles going around trying to get there that needs um, to happen i will be so excited if that happens i i agree i'm sure they I, talked about it over dinner right because they're related you know well, they're supposed like, to do it last year and yeah. they couldn't yeah so it just didn't work out with a movie and this i think like mark said i mean just the change of leadership is just... i think that's a really good point because i really do like the current state of all the storylines i like that they don't end i like that there's more heroism and more backstabbing i like the women i really like watching more of the women's division just because i'm watching mm-hmm. the women's division from what it came from were brawn panty matches and just stupidness right. to like actual athletic women doing cool stuff and being headliners on the Monday Night Raw match, the yep. Bianca Belair team for Survivor Series came out in the last 15 minutes. I mean, it was three and a half hours in, and Jamie was very tired, but still so yeah. cool that they're the main event. Yeah. Yeah, I think the women have definitely stepped it up. I mean, you, you always had your Trishes and leaders, and, you know, they were talented, but Vince wanted to see TNA. You know, he, he didn't care what they could do as long as they – pulled their pants down for a little bit or had a, you know, their bras pop out. That was what he wanted. Where- well, right. And I mean, you have Bianca Belair, who is a college uh, track and field athlete who can lift mm-hmm. men over her head. Right. And the fact of it is that she is a very athletic person. She should be, you know, mm-hmm. centralized, which now she is right. They figured it out. They put Triple H in charge. The women's division is huge. Um, and the women in SmackDown and the women in Raw are really competing. Yeah. Do you think that UFC had something to do with that? Just kind of forcing um, them, like WWE. So Pete, you might not know Ronda Rousey after she was beat in the UFC and retired from Ultimate Fighting. She became and it still is a very popular um, WWE wrestler. Oh, she is. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. She. Um. I saw that kick to the face live. Scott. So Scott and I were actually in a bar in Buffalo in seven one six, and we saw it on a fifty foot screen. Um. Mm. After That's a, an awesome bar, amazing. by the way, everyone. If you're ever in Buffalo, New York, go to the 716. It is pretty sweet. But yeah, that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Mm. Yeah, they got a lot of UFC. They got, you know, they got Ronda. They got Baszler. They got Marina oh, Sharif. Right. She's, she's a UFC fighter, too. That yeah. A lot of them are. That's yeah. fantastic, and yeah. Jessamine Duke is in there. You know, they got a lot of them, but I don't like them. I mean, Shana, okay, but Ronda, I think, is just... A name i don't think she's talented at all in this and but as she brings my, in the crowd she does she brings the money in the crowd but uh right now i think if i had to pick a favorite i've always loved chris jericho but right now i think uh i'm between sammy Zayn and uh 
Um, Seth Rollins. Yeah, Seth, Seth Rollins. Just solid. Storyline was very solid. This I mean, he, he just he can do anything. Seth Rollins is my favorite. I have never seen a bad match with Seth Rollins on it. Mm-mm. Nope. Even when he broke John Cena's nose, it was still a great mm-hmm. killer match. I mean, it was just. The number one thing I actually like about I know we're all, I know we ran out of time. The number one thing I, I I love about Seth Rollins, like you know his repertoire of moves, but he doesn't do them in like the same order every single time. Right. Like he it, it just seems so organic and how he does his stuff. Yep. It's not like John Cena with the you know the five moves of Doom they call him where it's just you know <laughs> leg drop, the hand in front of the face, the punch, and then that's it. People love that though. Next topic so john there used to be great heavyweight boxers like rocky marciano muhammad ali george foreman and lennox lewis there always seemed to be great heavyweight fights promoted all the time and people used to get together and watch them live on pay-per-view now in my opinion while boxing is a very violent sport it is also a somewhat poetic sport but it looks like the headlining heavyweights are now leaning more towards careers in mma and professional wrestling like Randy Couture, Daniel Cormier, Brock Lesnar, and Bobby Lashley. Even the current possibly most famous heavyweight that we have right now, Tyson Fury, flirts with a career in the WWE. So, John, will we ever see great heavyweight boxers again? It's a really good question. I think in um, 2022, I think in the internet age, um, if you have a that skill set, if you're strong and athletic, if you can take a hit, if you can fall good, I think you kind of go where the money is. And it looks like wrestlers, Roman Reigns's, the the Rocks, the David Batistas. I mean, they are becoming household names, and they're not doing that right. If you think about how many heavyweight champions that aren't Evander Holyfield or Mike Tyson, that the most people in the world know their name. There's not a lot. Like I will struggle if you, you know, wanted to come up with more names than, than that. Right. And um, it's more, it's more than the money though, too. I mean, while Floyd Mayweather like earned a lot, I think in his last fight, he made $40 million or it's something extravagant like that, which, you know, when you get to that point, you can do that. And he's, he's not a heavyweight fighter either it's also comes down to you know what 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 you and i love to talk about return on investment so you can easily get hurt in in a boxing match meanwhile in something like wrestling where let's let's be honest it's a little choreographed and and whatnot uh there's a less likelihood of you getting hurt well yeah exactly i and i think return on investment and longevity are two really good points. Um, you don't see The Rock not being able to talk. You know, you don't see them losing brain function. Not like all wrestlers get punched in the face so much that they get concussions, but you know, right? That's what you've chosen to do. And really on top of it, not everyone is in Andrew Holyfield of Floyd Mayweather. Not everyone is making 40 million a match. You know, you're generally, these guys are not making a whole ton. They're not boxing on a national stage. They're not building their brand, building their internet brand, building their social brand. They're not becoming as famous and as well off as they want to be. Um, So I think wrestling is a really good choice for a lot of them. I think Bobby Lashley's persona in wrestling right now is really compelling. 
is still really athletic. They let him do crazy stuff because, you know, they're building up his strength. He's very strong, but maybe not as strong as they make him. But, you know, it's a really good persona for him. So I think that was a really good choice. Well, you get the heavyweights too. They're not, they're not the ones, you know, flipping around, jumping over the ropes, jump. They're basically ground and pounding and, you know, just standing and doing their, throwing their punches and with their reaches. And so like you're talking about your return on investment, they're, they're going to get, you know, hundreds of matches out of them if they want, because they're not really doing anything crazy. And they're not going to let some little guy come in and do all this crazy crap to them because they're not going to be able to do what they need them to do. So they're going to get more out of them. Um, like you said, Tyson Fury. I mean, he, he came in and he just walked around and, you know, and what's there's another guy almost, I don't know if he really was a fighter, like in Nigeria, but he's, he's giant. Like he's, that man is so friggin' big. He's massive, but he can't just walks, you know, he's not gonna, (laughs) you know, he's not gonna blow up. He's not gonna do this. And he could take, you know, a lot of hits and, you know, they had the Floyd Mayweather come in and fight Paul white or big show, you know, they, they had that money scene, you know, Tyson came in years ago made a ton of money with Vince over, you know, just getting pushed. Hmm. So Did you guys I, see the fight where um Stephen Amel, who was uh Arrow in the Arrowverse, come in. He's a big wrestling fan. He's actually on a wrestling show right now on Showtime. Um mm-hmm. and he came in and acted like um he was watching and joined match and got to do a pay-per-view. And he's not a big guy, but he really likes wrestling. Was like, yeah, I've been doing my own stunts for 10 years. I could totally do wrestling. Yeah, yeah, he came in with Cody Rhodes. Yep, that was and that was a cool match. That whole thing was a nice really story cool. with him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up in like AEW. I don't think WWE over Pillman, but that wrestling right. questions are playing really well. Mm. Yeah, it's all yeah, I, I sadly know probably more than I should as forty three year old. I, I still watch. I still watch it every week. I, 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 I try. I have you been watching AEW? I tried. I, you know, I was really Same thing. Excited. I can't get into it. I can't. I was so excited. Like Adam Cole and like Daniel yeah. Bryan and even CM Punk came and back. And even like, oh, CM Punk. Be great. You know, they took Mark Henry. They took Big Show. They took all these guys and it sucks. Like John Moxley. I almost feel AEW now has the problem that WWE had a couple of years ago. They're too, there's just too much talent in there. Yeah. And, and, and the talent that they're trying to push they they talk a little too much i think yeah i agree and and they don't they're not like their the promos just aren't as good as no they're not they're not the talkers they're 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 not as good as talking like that was the other group i saw in the airport i ran into dustin Rhodes, gold dust yeah 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 Uh, he was amazing like i brought my son over to him and he talked to him for a few minutes this was a 5 30 in the morning you know after a show (laughs) they did a show the night before but I ran into powerhouse Hobbs. Um, uh, that guy's a beast. He's, you know, you I, know, you know, my big name drop for wrestling is mm. I've, I've met Ric Flair multiple times. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. I've, no Sasha? I've, I've no, I haven't seen Sasha. No, I, so Ric Flair loves to go to uh, comic cons. Oh, so, okay. and I volunteered at, at a bunch of them and he was my, he was my celebrity at a, at a couple of them. I've the, the, the last one that I, I saw him at, I, I met his wife, Wendy. Oh, she is lovely. Great, great fit for him because, you know, he's he, he <laughs> he's is Ric Flair. Flair. Yeah. But Wendy definitely grounds him and, and whatnot. Yeah. Is he everything in person that you hope he would be? Yes. Excellent. He de- he definitely fit. 
he Ric Flair's persona is Ric Flair. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is who you see on TV. Huh. I like that he's still he's still healing around, messing with Charlotte and the, everything. Well, so that's the other thing. So he kept calling her Ashley, and it's yeah. like Ashley. Oh, Charlotte, because that mm-hmm. his daughter's real name is Ashley. Right. 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 That makes sense. Next topic. So guys, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the World Cup. There's a lot of really cool news coming out of Qatar. Most positively, a U.S. men's team with the youngest starting 11 ever in the tournament tied in an English team that was supposed to beat them 6-0 and went on to beat an Iranian team with a really gutsy goal by midfielder star Christian Pulisic. My question for you, Mark, can the U.S. really, the U.S. men's team specifically, really be competitors on a world stage? That's a great question. They... It, it almost sounds like they could. They seem to be able to defend really well. Uh, and as John Madden has once told us, it's hard to win a game if you don't score enough points. That is Football. Very- so, well, Matt Turner's playing out of his mind right now. Yes. The, uh, so they've, they've only really given up the one goal, but and that was due to a penalty kick. So during regular play, they haven't really given up any goals. As our John, my friend John Madden would say, if you don't score enough points, you can't win the game. They with Christian Pulisic is is the possibility of not playing in their next game, and we are recording before uh, the 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 next game, but we're going to be releasing this episode after, so uh, it's going to be hard to to kind of predict what's going to happen. Uh, we don't know if Christian Pulisic is going to play the next game. It's it's almost sounds like he's going to, but he's not going to be at 100. percent He said today that he would do everything in his power. He said he did not get kicked in the balls. Huh. He got pre- hit really... pretty hard though. He got hit. Well, he bruised his um his he has a pelvic contusion officially <laughs> and didn't meet with the medical team of the U.S. Uh, the, the medical uh, staff of the U.S. men's team today. But he essentially about... is the U.S. offense. I mean, he's the captain. He's the offense. I mean, he's a lot of it. Historically, the United States has not been very good on the world stage. It has been so long since they've even made it out of the knockout round. And even then, they 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 don't really perform well. They're going against the Netherlands, the Dutch, who historically have been a, a pretty good team. So there, there's a possibility because as as we kind of know, as as the saying goes, defense wins championships. They play amazing defense. Do I think I... too in um in most professional sports, and I think this definitely counts. I think momentum really wins championships, and they really believe they can. Yeah, momentum definitely is is a big thing. It's although playing you know every four or five days sometimes it's hard to keep that keep that momentum. It, it's it should be a good match. I I'm not a hundred percent sure they're gonna pull it out. But we will see. I'm. I'll. I'll be rooting for them. I'll definitely be rooting for them. Because oh, yeah. you know they're the. They are the the home country, and we definitely want to see them perform well. So, guys, I read a story about um another midfielder, Brendan Aronson, who didn't head his growth spurt till he was 16 years old. Uh-huh. He was playing club soccer under five foot six, and he's I'm still actually waiting from... for my growth spurt. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Mark. Me too. And he's from actually New Jersey. So I was, I was invested. I'm a Jersey boy. I'm born, but not bred. What do you think guys? Pete? Uh, I'm a, I honestly, I don't follow soccer that well. I, I, I know Brandy, Brandy Chastain, <laughs> right? Oh, that like, I remember that thing. <laughs> that, that's, that's my knowledge of soccer. Well, I have you been too. 
there are a lot of fair weather soccer fans in the United States right now. I think that everybody likes a winner Americans more than most. And the fact that they're winning is really interesting to people. There's a great ad campaign right now with Peyton Manning and David Beckham about the whole football versus soccer ordeal, because, you know, we call it soccer and the entire world calls it football. Brandy Chastain is actually in that and uh, in, in a in that commercial as well, the one that I'm thinking about anyway. And it's 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 a pretty entertaining commercial because they they go off about the the differences that really that what America says and what what England says because it's it's actually a Lay's potato chips commercial and they're you know we call it chips England calls it crisps. I confess I have not watched the world cup yet although i would like you to. have to watch Pulisic i know because i would like to watch it right now it's saturday incredible. is the okay. is the game okay it's the match Pulisic's yeah. goal against iran else. a one-timer off a header where he runs into the goalie and get kicked in the that's how he got hurt yes that's how he got oh, hurt was getting incredible that getting the goal okay yeah i've got I'll, I'll have to go watch some highlights and uh yeah i'll definitely watch this game hopefully they can pull it off i played a lot of soccer actually growing up probably 10 years worth it's a match that they can win. I don't know if they will, though. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be really hard if Pulisic isn't at 100%. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, But, I mean, they're a young team. Let's see if maybe they can finally do something with it and actually grow and get better. One of the has an interesting story that's coming out of this year's World Cup, too. The U.S. women's national team so far is going to earn $6.5 million from the men's team's exploits in Qatar this year. And that is more than they've earned in the last two women's tournaments combined. Well, they had to fight for that. Yep. And I mean, yeah, people really say that it, it is a cool thing that is happening, but it is annoying that it's happening this way, I think. I, yeah, I know this is been... not, this wasn't the topic, but I love how the women had to fight to get equal pay as the men, even though the women have outperformed the men. Yeah, the women have been fantastic for ever, like since the 90s. Maybe before that. Next topic. So, John, you and I grew up admiring large NBA centers like Robert Parrish, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Shaquille O'Neal. But these days, kids idolize Steph Curry. And that name is recognized with, quote, changing the NBA game, end quote, because everyone now is just shooting threes at a tumultuous. So, John, will we ever see the resurgence of the big man in the NBA? I think that the game... And like you said, the game has changed to a point where I don't think so. The thing that Ewing did, the thing that Shaquille O'Neal did, that Hakeem Olajuwon did, you take your guy who was reasonably mobile, who was stronger and bigger than the next guy, and you just pass him the ball in the paint. And he would just back in, he'd do a sky hook, or he'd do a, a fade away. And they're easy points. You would, you would control the clock, you would get a high percentage shot, and you'd give it to the guy who could, you know, take a beating, honestly, because, you know, backing, backing another, you know, six foot 10, 250 pound man into the paint isn't easy work, right? They're not going to let you have it. But the thing about the thing about Shaq, right? The thing about Patrick Ewing is they just were bigger and stronger than you. And yeah, that, that was definitely the thing. Everyone wanted to just go down low and, and pound the basket. It, and it definitely seems like it could make a resurgence because now that everyone is just shooting threes, the body type of the NBA player has also changed a little bit to be a little long and leaner. 
we talked about this with NFL running backs last time as says the, the archetype of body is, has changed. Same with the NBA player, which, although I kind of think that that someone like an, if someone were to appeal like a Shaq, then they would just dominate because while, so the, the, the whole theory behind shooting threes, like say, say you make uh 50% of your two point baskets well, if you make at least, you know, 40% of your three-point baskets, then you're going to score more than 50% of your two-point baskets. So that's one reason why everything has changed to a three-point shot. But I also think like, well, if you get this large beast of a man that's down low that makes 75% of his two-point bu- buckets, then it doesn't even matter. I think clock control doing. is also a really important point. I mean, you're just controlling the game. I think most sports, football does this now. You're trying to just eat game time. You're trying to hold the ball so the other team can score. I think um, to, to change off a little bit, and you were talking about the change in body type, the most interesting thing I think about the modern NBA, I think was birthed by maybe Dirk Nowitzki, where you have guys who are, I mean, Dirk Nowitzki, I just looked up his his um, height. He's seven feet tall. Seven and feet. Maybe, maybe one of the most prolific power fo- shooting power forwards ever. And so you take a guy now, and instead of a guy like Shaq, who's, you know, seven, five and big 300 pounds, you take a guy like Dirk Nowitzki, who's seven foot and, you know, less, but fast and can shoot. And now he's shooting threes and he's shooting high percentage threes, but he's also taller than you. And I don't, you know, Dirk Nowitzki might make the Hall of Fame, right? And I mean, I don't think Dirk Nowitzki age for Dallas Mavericks was even really very fair because there was nobody who could do that. So the future, uh, who they think is possibly the projected number one pick for next year's NBA draft, his name is Victor Wembanyama. I hope I got that last name correct. Ooh, he is pepper. measured at seven foot four Ooh. with an eight foot wingspan, Holy. and he's still growing. What the? <laughs> and he's actually able to like be athletic with that size. He he seems to be very athletic. Currently, I believe. I believe he's playing overseas. I could be wrong about that. We might have to get fact-checked about that next week. But is he... Uh, he is an enormous person, and he is, again, potentially the number one draft pick for next year's NBA draft. Wow. Is he larger than, like, Manute Bull was? Manute Bull was 7'7". Seven, seven. But Manute Bull could not move, Pete. Manute no. Bull was a stick. <laughs> Just, yeah. Oh, right. That's true. He was really, really long. It was like, Although like gummy. He, like... Later in life, he did end up shooting threes, believe it or not. Mm. And it was amazing to watch him shoot threes. I always, as a Knicks fan in the 90s, always really hated playing the Rockets because of Hakeem Olajuwon. Because Leek, Hakeem Olajuwon didn't feel fair either. He had this guy who was taller than you, but also strong, who could also shoot. Yeah. And nimble. Right. Really foot. fast for a big dude. I think that might be the, the thing. If you see big people dominate the NBA again, it'll be people that can also shoot threes. Because, I mean, at that point, what can't you do? I mean, the age of the tall, nimble power forward, the Tim Duncans, the Carl Malones, the Kevin Garnetts, I mean, I think that is still definitely happening. And those guys, obviously, were very early on, but they kind of made way for this modern NBA where shooting is important, where movement is important, Um, you know, swinging balls around the paint. Because you still have really tall men who could jump very high trying to block your shots. So even if you're good at shooting, even if you're tall, you still need to control the ball and you still need to put the ball where they aren't, right? I always learned, um, if you guys ever played competitive basketball, you always learned that the ball traveled faster than people could run. And that's very true, right? 
And you see that in NBA, you see that in pro ball and college ball all the time, passing around the paint, using picks, getting clear more shot. so in college. <laughs> <laughs> not really the pros now now yeah, the pros are like hero ball the, the only thing i can think of on this is uh and i don't follow basketball that much anymore but it was anthony davis is the most recent one i could think of uh well, anthony davis is having an mvp year this season anthony yeah. davis is the best player on the la lakers and they have lebron james so but and he's under but he's under seven i think right just under seven just under i think huh. yeah you know you know what I love about this podcast? I do all this research. So I have I have all these figures I was ready to, to say, and we didn't even mention in the five minutes. <laughs> and now we're at seven minutes, so there's that. Yeah. Next topic. So Mark, you know my love is superheroes. This past weekend, um, my daughter and I, we watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Disney+. Plus. So the holiday special marks the end of phase four, if anybody doesn't know. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is broken up into phases. The phases kind of encompass storylines. So the end of phase four, phase four started in the spring of 2021 with Black Widow. Phase four included seven movies, nine shows, and two TV specials, weighing at an impressive 60 hours long. And so while I have just said, and you guys know that I have a problem and clearly want more, Mark, are you having Marvel overload? No. <laughs> By far, no. I love Marvel. I want to see more and more. I, I, you know, I didn't realize that Phase Four was pretty much only like a year and a half long, but had sixty hours of content. That's a lot. What's two? It was really what happened was they had really two full years to release. They had all the stuff from COVID that they pushed back. So they had all of the twenty twenty stuff. They had all the twenty twenty one stuff. And really, what they did too is they introduced the ability to tell a miniseries in on Disney Plus, which I think honestly was a masterstroke. Now they had their own content delivery system to tell their stories. And um, we had just talked about this, but I talk about this with Pete all the time. You have to watch it, right? You have to know, because if you don't watch, you don't know. You don't know what's going on. And now not only do they own all the rights and the delivery system, but they can just feed you content however you like. And honestly, I love it. Um, in the TV shows, if you guys don't know, um, why would you know? Um, they are burying QR codes in scenes so that if the, the Nimble-Eyed fan, and I only know because I watch Easter eggs, the Nimble-Eyed fan catches a QR code and they scan it, they get a free comic book. I mean, just what? really cool little things that they're adding. I've not heard about that before. That's really cool. Spoiler alert. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, there's um, there is a QR code in uh, Miss Marvel. That, I mean, we talked about this during the last episode. That's one thing that Marvel has over DC. Now you feel compelled to watch everything because you're afraid of missing something. And I'll yeah. I'll be honest. So the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, miniseries, I personally did not like, but I knew I had to watch it because of the evolution of Captain America, because yeah. I know that's coming. Right, that's mm -hmm. going to be important later. Well, Anthony Mackie has his own standalone phase five movie um, where he's going to be Captain America. Um, Captain America with wings, actually true Captain America. There's three of them. And so far we've seen them all now. We've seen the, um, the Falcon Captain America. We've seen U.S. Agent Captain America, who is going to be in the Thunderbolts movie coming up. And now we've, and obviously we've seen the, the, uh, the Chris Evans Captain America. Have we all just... seen uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Well, I've, of course, seen it. 
I have not yet. I haven't no. seen it yet, no. Okay. I've heard it's really good. Really good. Um I wouldn't say really good. No. I really wouldn't. Okay. I but I I listen, when <laughs> when when Chadwick Bozeman, you know, can't appear in this movie, they they you have to kind of build a story now around that and and so on and so forth. So I almost felt like it was almost like another origin story. Even though they didn't, you know, they. I think it was so respectful to him. I think it was so respectful. Celebrated him. It made the movie like the movie wasn't really about him, but it kind of was. All the character arcs were driven by him, and and sadness and loss, growth out of sadness, all really important lessons. Man, I know. Um, to not, it won't give anything away. Um, in the beginning of the movie, the Marvel run was a moment of silence for Chadwick Boseman. It was all pictures of Black Panther in purple, in silent, and at the end, I could hear multiple people crying. I cried. It was really, really emotional. That's fine now. <laughs> all, all so, in all, though, the movie, I, I. I still miss and I watched it. I, I more than likely I will watch it again because it's Marvel, but it was not one of my, one of my favorite Marvel movies. I, I don't even know if it was in, in my top half of my favorite. Marvel so talking Marvel. about phase four, Mark, and a big issue people have with phase four is the story really wasn't progressed. Um, there were lots of origin stories and I think a lot of world building for the thing is they're doing, they're doing Thunderbolts. I think they're going to do Young Avengers. Um, I think they're maybe doing West Coast Avengers. So they're really trying to set the stage um, in phase four. I think She-Hulk miniseries was important to talk about stage setting and kind of make fun of it a little bit. And the fact that they're not being the same. And you have to do that because at the end of phase three, what happens? It literally called Endgame. <laughs> so you have to do that for, for the beginning of phase four. So I... Or, I'm sorry, uh, the end of phase three, beginning of phase four. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, they definitely hit the reset button. They won. They definitely hit they the won. reset button. It was button. over. Yeah, yeah. But not only that, and I really appreciate this, they didn't say everybody's great. You know, I know everyone in the world disappeared for five years. You just come back and, you know, everybody goes back to business. I mean, obviously that wouldn't happen. And they're saying, yes, this didn't happen. Having the population double in 10 seconds was really problematic. You know, I will say this because of the whole five-year blip, I now go into Marvel movies and I was like, I have no idea what year this is happening in because you used to be able to figure out what year it was because mm. it was the year that you were currently in. But with the five-year blip now, I honestly, I honestly have no idea when these movies take No, place. it's officially in the future. And it's okay. <laughs> I watched the Guardians one, but uh, Hawkeye, I love. I love Hawkeye. I, I hope there's another one because I love the chemistry with Jeremy um renner and uh i'm blanking on her name yeah i i thought that was amazing i i i loved it and i'm trying to get my wife to watch it and she's like i don't know i'm like no you got it you gotta watch it it's a christmas series it's die hard in the marvel universe it's yeah grumpy jeremy renner it's when you come down to it having cool new actors having Haley steinfeld be really compelling having florence Pugh be scene stealing i'm sorry florence Pugh stole the show in the black widow movie and she stole the show in the hawkeye show when scenes she was in and i think she's going to continue to do that because she's just they're building the next movie around her right yeah the really interesting character who is complex and sad and angry and evil now apparently so we'll see what happens next topic so now we have a segment that we're going to appropriately call john keeps the ball rolling 
where I will start 10 sentences and John will hopefully finish them. John, are you ready? I love this segment, Mark. I'm very <laughs> excited to be part of it. All right. First one. The season that Tua Tagovailoa is having with the addition of head coach Mike McDaniel and Tyreek Hill is expected and exciting. Was it really expected? Everyone really got down on Tua in the last couple years. I think that Tua, I was ready for him to be great. He was great in college. And Waddle being a rookie and him having really no receiving targets, no fast receiving targets, and then having two, it shows as to how good the Dolphins can be. If you put Jacoby Percet in that offense, though, will it be just as good? I don't think it'll be much worse. What about you, Matt? Uh, I'd never followed them in college. Surprised with the season they're having. Um, I like the chemistry with him and Waddle. That's about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this season, Miami Dolphins is a team you put together in Madden, honestly. It is all skill players, all really impressive skill players. And I think maybe they're not really blowing the league apart because their defense is just okay any better though they have bradley chubb now all right next next question um the nfl game i am looking forward to most this weekend is probably mark the chiefs and the Bengals. um while everybody knows i'm a giants fan i have been really enjoying the chiefs uh the Bengals this year i really like joe burrow as a player i really like his chemistry with jamar chase that he pulled in from college i like that sanjay perine scored three touchdowns last weekend i mean they are really fun to watch, and I really hope they go very far again this season. The legacy of first ballot Hall of Famer candidate Alex Rodriguez can be described as? We all know how I feel about Alex Rodriguez. I think Alex Rodriguez is the best worst player in baseball. I mean, he had one season, right, in 2017 where he pretty much won the World Series for the Yankees. But every other time Alex Rodriguez has been up in a clutch situation, I think I've seen Alex Rodriguez strike out. I don't need 40 home, 41 run home runs. I don't need, you know, I need 300 average, smart based running, not selfish play. That's what I need out of my stars. Disappointing, I think, is the sentence I'm going to go for. Do you think he's in the Hall of Fame? No, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. That, I, I have been a very large proponent of the Baseball Hall of Fame specifically that they do not let first ballot players in that haven't change their team's legacy oh steroids though and steroids the guys who have not been in first ballot i mean the fact that don Mattingly is in the hall of fame yet even after his pretty impressive coaching career i mean the fact that the guys who get in first round the first year are dead the derek jeters the derek jeters the the ken griffey's the guys who change baseball college football playoff expanding from four teams to 12 teams is good i think um there's a lot of really exciting college teams that don't get to play on the national stage and i think that's really disappointing for them um they all should be able well not all obviously but enough of them who are ranked high enough who are skilled enough should be able to experience excitement like the rose bowl right and that was actually the one thing that so what was holding up the this expansion was the rose bowl the rose bowl didn't want to be a part of the the cool kids club but they recently just decided that they did. So now the college college football has now expanded. Honestly, it's going to get us better players because there's going to be more money. Um, it's going to get us more socialized, for lack of a better term. 
um, NFL rookies who are used to playing in pressure situations. I think it's all good. But the most exciting thing that college, they, as the NCAA has going forward is the college basketball tournament. You have all these teams that, you know, they're in it and they win and they're really not supposed to. So why hasn't college football done it until now? I don't know. But you're right, more money too. I mean, yeah, right? You have more games being watched by more people, being attended by more people in person. I mean, Rose Bowl is an event, you know? There's parades. There's and- parade. My all-time favorite vacation destination is... So I'm going to change this question a little bit. My all-time <laughs> favorite vacation was when I was when I turned 30 and my wife brought me to two spring training games at George Steinbrenner Field. And that was a really good vacation. And it was cool. We, we you know, we went to Derek Jeter's house. He didn't let us in, unfortunately. Um, but we, you know, <laughs> met Yankee fans and they were playing catch across this, you know, the, the Yankees, what they do is... Um, the starters, they don't really play, but they'll like, they'll do warmups and they'll play catch across the street in a little like park field. Right. Cause you're in Florida. I think it's really cool down there. And it feels, I've always said that I really like the parks that feel like baseball, the, the Fenway parks and the Wrigley fields. And it feels like baseball, like baseball that I remember that I played. Right. Matt, do you and Mara have a favorite destination? Uh, well, we haven't gone on vacation since we've been married. If, if, wait, uh, listen, if if, you, <laughs> if 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 you had all the money in the world and your your kid was grown up or could at least take care of himself, where would you guys go? Italy. I agree. Definitely Italy. Uh, maybe Munich. Italy kicks a lot of ass, you guys. I really like Italy uh, a lot. Me personally, Vegas was my spot. I love Vegas. Vegas is really fun. I, I don't gamble, but. The people. I mean, you see everything and everybody. It's just this is it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sit by the pool all day, go to the bars all night. You know, I, I, I've gone there many times. I've done 48 hours straight with no sleep and just partying. Oh, I'd love to ski like the Alps. Or I didn't ask you, Pete. Northern. Well, I'm chiming in. <laughs> and do a Mediterranean cruise and stuff. Mediterranean cruise. That's definitely on my list. You know what? You know uh, what reality show is doing a Mediterranean cruise? And I actually, I I can't get enough of it, even though it's awful TV. The Real Love Boat. Oh, they're Mm. doing the Mediterranean. That's funny. Yes. The Real Love Boat. It's like the worst show in the world. The people on there have like zero personalities. and, and, Mm. And it's just awful, but I can't stop watching it. You can't stop watching the train fire. Just can't. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're, I'm going to throw you guys for a loop for this one. People Magazine's sexiest man alive, Chris Evans, can be described as? Dreamy. Um, Also kind of rugged, I guess. I like Chris Evans a lot as a celebrity. He seems really approachable, you know? For a You know, I love him as a bad guy. I loved him in Knives Out. He was really good in Knives Out. Yeah, I like that movie. Alert. There's a new Knives Out coming out on uh, direct to Netflix. On Netflix. Yep. What do you guys think about Chris Evans? I can see these girls. My favorite meal to eat back in college was? I think my favorite meal always is my mother's ravioli. Um, I really, really like ravioli a lot. (laughs) I like, um, have you guys noticed if I haven't told you enough times, I love Italian food because I'm very Italian. My mother still cooks. I'm going to eat her food all weekend because we're going on a little weekend vacation with them. My fantasy football teams can be described as? 
atrocious. They're so bad this year. They're so, 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 so frustrating this year. I have lost my, so I'm going to go through it with you guys. All right. I lost six starters on my dynasty team to IR. I drafted in the league that I'm with, with all these fine gentlemen, Jonathan Taylor, Kyle Pitts, Najee Harris, Kyler Murray, and uh, Deontay Johnson, right? All failures. <laughs> and um, my one redraft team that was supposed to be my savior uh, came at the time where Dumb Cook stopped trying to score touchdowns. And so I had Dumb Cook, who became very poor, A.G. Dillon, who didn't work out at all. So all of my teams are not going to make the playoffs this year, and I'm very sad about it. I'm sad Matt, same you. question. Uh, our league, I'm happy with it. I, I you know, I got, I got the bad draft grade but uh obviously I hate the draft grades they were wrong <laughs> so i was projected to come in last and here i am you know well i mean it doesn't hurt that justin jefferson is having a career season oh he's having a great year i i got lucky with that and um you know tyler bass has just kept me in all the games um and mahomes i, I have mahomes, and mahomes and- is also having a career season uh, most yeah, passing yards of any quarterback right Yep. Wait, you had Mahomes. Right you had Mahomes and Justin Jefferson, and you were given the worst draft grade. I wasn't given the worst, but I oh. was projected to lose. I was. I think I was projected to come in last the first that week. Makes That's why no I never sense. pay attention to those graph draft grades. No, but I, and so I have Mahomes, and then I have Justin Fields as my backup. Which every week it's like it kills me. It's like oh, I, I want to put him yeah. in because he's having great years, but I'm like. We only really had three 40 point fantasy games and then he broke his shoulder. Yeah, but he's consistent. Like the last, his last few games, he's gotten consistent. And, you know, I I was hopeful with Claypool that things were really going to click. And I commissioned their league listeners and to let you know, Matt's scoring 20 more points than everyone else. And he's definitely going to win. So. Pete, what on about average, you? 20 more points than everyone else. I did math. Pete, what about you? My teams are very lucky. So in uh, our friend Rick's dynasty league of 14 teams and individual defensive players and all sorts of crazy shenanigans and draft pick trades three years in the future, somehow I'm winning the league and it doesn't feel right because there are teams that have scored way more than me but I have the lowest points against by far and always seem to win at the right time. And again, just to let the listeners know, Pete has Patrick Mahomes and Alvin Kamara. So and he Alvin is Cook. not lucky at all. Uh, and Dalvin Cook and some ridiculous receiver. Your team T. is Higgins and... yep, T. Yeah, Your team is ridiculous. You so yeah, I guess I'm pretty good, but, it, but I'm also lucky though. I, I do have the lowest points against in the league. Yeah, I'm ha- I'm, and to add to my in an early too, this the, year for yeah. the redraft that I thought I was going to win, I have the second most points and the highest points against by a hundred points. <laughs> That's nuts. I love that. The all-time greatest sports spokesperson is. Well, I have to be a hometown boy, Mark John Sterling. I think. Really? Yeah, I like John Sterling a lot. More than like Peyton Manning, or no, no spokesperson, not like oh, not play-by-play announcer. Play announcer. No, I didn't know what you meant by your by your question. <laughs> like someone who has been like in commercials and whatnot. I think maybe John Madden, honestly. John Madden was great on TV. He was great in commercials. He was Jason a great ad man. Top Fountains and Acton. Boom. 
A sport we haven't talked about yet that we should talk about next week is hockey. I mean, probably hockey because people like hockey, but I know nothing really about, about hockey. hockey. We haven't really talked about hockey. We sh- and you know, I should be excited about hockey. The Bruins have the best record in the NHL right Do now. They really? Hey, we did really good this week. We talked about soccer and professional wrestling for you like a long really time. This is the, the and least... college football. Those are my those are my ten sentences. Thanks everyone for listening to If These Balls Could Talk. So the keyword that we're going to unveil for our holiday contest, again, you have a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card. The keyword is chestnuts. Kind of apropos for If These Balls Could Talk. What do you guys think? I really like it. I don't know what a chestnut is. Do you guys? It's a nut that is a chest. I don't think that's true. That's cleaner than where I was going, Pete. I just don't want it ever roasting on an open fire. (laughs) So again, the keyword will be chestnut. Thanks again for listening to If These Balls Could Talk. My name is Mark Pesci. Thank you for Matt for joining us. And John, as always, thank you for being here. You know I'm always here for you, Mark. Feel free to follow us or like us on all the social medias at if these balls pod. That is our handle on the Twitter, on the Instagram, and then you can also find us on Facebook. Also, feel free to follow us on the website at www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. That is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. Thank you for listening to If These Balls Could Talk. Please, everyone, make sure to keep your balls warm. If these balls could talk, they would walk along the bases and into the fields. If these balls could talk with Mark and John.